On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about physician-assisted suicide and whether or not Canada should knock down the wall that it initially said it would never go through, and that is allowing mental illness to be a qualification for physician-assisted suicide. Canada's justice minister implied and suggested that was coming. But is this not a dangerous, dangerous place to go? We're going to talk to an expert on that one. We're also talking about Christmas, goofy Christmas, silly Christmas. People want Christmas to arrive, seemingly. They want to decorate and they want to have some fun this year. We're going to talk to a guy who runs a great, great website around here that fulfills all those things. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We have talked on this show before about the issue of physician-assisted suicide. Some of you agree with it. Some of you disagree with it. That's fine. That is your right. But this has become a more and more complex issue, and I'll tell you why. When the law was first passed in 2015, allowing Canadians to seek doctor's help in dying, the law specified that this was for those who were terminal and they were already on their way to death. This was merely a way to expedite the process. They would argue, people would argue to relieve suffering. Well, this week in the Senate, the debate was held that would expand the definition to include those with disabilities. This is what we talked about last time we discussed this on the show. It was already controversial since many people in the disabled community said, look, this is suggesting now that somehow living with a disability is worse than death, sends a wrong message. But always there was one wall that the government had said they were never going to scale. There was one wall that was not going to get knocked down. It was never going to be allowed that those suffering from mental health issues would be allowed to seek doctor-assisted suicide. And there are some obvious reasons, I think, for that. Except, except, at the hearings this week, the justice minister said the exemption for mental health would likely be temporary, meaning that exemption, it seems, is going to go away soon so that people suffering from mental illness in this country may someday soon be allowed to seek a doctor's help to kill themselves. Dr. John Mahar is the president of the Ontario Association for ACT, which is Assertive Community Treatment, and he's the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Ethics in Mental Health. He joins us now. Doctor, thanks for doing this today. Very much appreciate it. My pleasure, Scott. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, we hear many, many times in our society, we hear when someone says, well, you've opened the door and we're going to start the slippery slope and everyone poo-poos it and says, no, 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 you're making too much. There's no slippery slope. This seems like we are on the very definition of a slippery slope. Absolutely, we are. And uh, when you look at the current draft of the legislation, it's actually got fewer safeguards than any legislation anywhere in the world. And let me qualify that. There are only about five countries at this point that allow assisted suicide for mental illness. Um, most of the world, including the World Medical Association, condemns this practice outright as uh, a terrible uh, moral aberration, uh, a terrible thing for doctors to be involved in. Um, so we're, we're talking about opening the door in a way that nobody in the world has. And when you ask about a slippery slope, even in the countries like Netherlands and Belgium that put safeguards in place, safeguards like you have to have a psychiatrist review the application, you have to uh, 
uh, have received a certain number of treatments. You have to have tried some usual treatments. Um, even in those countries, you have thousands of people who are getting assisted suicide annually. And when you look at how it's happening, there is a very small number of psychiatrists who are doing it regularly. And so the, the reality is that... So they're the go-to psychiatrists if you want to seek this. They are, and word gets out. There's one psychiatrist in particular responsible for over 50% of all assisted suicides in Belgium. Um, so the, the safeguards, even where they exist, um, are being worked around because uh, people will meet the criteria. And the interesting thing about medical aid in dying, assisted suicide in Canada, is that the existing law for those who are terminally ill required a subjective standard, meaning, meaning it's up to the person to decide when they've had enough treatment, when they've tried enough, when their suffering is intolerable. So to put that in perspective, it would mean if I had a mental illness and I refused all treatment and because of that refusal I was suffering, I would then make myself eligible for MAID. We're, we're including no requirement that treatments be tried or that standard of care be available. And how often do people who are suffering from certain mental illnesses refuse treatment anyway, either because they are suspicious of it or they're paranoid or whatever else where treatment might help them, but they don't want to take it? Right. So only about 30 to 40% of people in Ontario with mental illness actually get help, get treatment. But the group we're talking about is primarily people with what we would call severe and persistent mental illness. That's the exact population that I work with in Ontario. You mentioned in the introduction, I work with an assertive community treatment team. There are 85 of these teams in Ontario, but there should be 130. Right now, we have 6,000 people in Ontario waiting for tertiary care psychiatric treatment, the treatment that helps them recover, that relieves their suffering, that eliminates the desire for suicide. And to put this in context for Hamilton, I know that the statistics there are you have about a two-year wait uh, to get on to an assertive community treatment team to get that level of care. And, and that care is specifically designed for the people who are suffering most. So this legislation is actually making it easier to kill yourself than wait for treatment. And there, there's a terrible perversity to that. We're, uh, we're just not offering the treatment that we know helps, that we know works. Doctor, one of the discussions this week, and I'm I don't remember where what how where it got to, was even removing or whittling down the waiting period. So if at some point mental illness becomes legal for physician assisted suicide, and we have taken away the waiting period even further, you could have someone who's in distress right now who may be capable of getting help, who could seek physician assisted suicide and get it before they could possibly get any help. Right. The, the legislation um, right now, as they're considering it, is looking at a so-called reflection period um, or an assessment period, 90 days, um, which when you think of how long it takes to get psychiatric care, just the wait times, is woefully inadequate if you've got to wait a, a year or longer for treatment. And more than that, the treatments that we use to relieve uh, mental health suffering, to treat these types of, of brain diseases 
um, are not of short duration. You're talking uh, many months and often a year or more of a number of medication trials, potentially helping people find housing, helping them with their poverty, reconnecting them with their family, uh, getting their physical health sorted out. All of these things take time. Uh, healing does not happen quickly. And I've heard some of the politicians say, well, when people get to this point, they've already tried everything. The reality is they haven't. The, the numbers of Canadians who are waiting for help, the numbers who don't even know it exists, and uh, I'll respectfully say the number of people within the medical community who don't know what's out there because it doesn't exist. All of these things uh, combine to really support uh, horribly uh, sustain the, the stigmatization. We would never let this happen with, with cancer or heart disease. Uh, we'd, we'd never let people suffer like this, especially when we have effective treatments. And I understand full well that the, the main focus that people keep coming back to is those people who have tried treatments and don't get better. Well, I can tell you every newspaper article I've read Every conversation I've had with fellow psychiatrists about cases like this, I have yet to find a case where every treatment has been tried. And what do you do with that? Well, there's another part of this too, and maybe I'm missing something here, but in the law that was crafted in 2015, the first criterion that is listed for eligibility to be considered for physician-assisted suicide says this, this is a quote, being an adult at least 18 years old who is mentally competent to make healthcare decisions for themselves is someone who is suffering from a severe enough mental illness to be considering wanting to kill themselves mentally competent to make a decision to kill themselves for that reason? So many people who have severe mental illness uh, do have the inability to make um, decisions. Uh, forgive me, I have a complete echo on my on my phone here, so I'm I'm uh, having some difficulty focusing. Sorry, Will at the station will try to fix that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so certainly, if you have have certain mental illnesses, you will not be able to make reasonable, informed decisions. No question. Um, most people with mental illness are able to make those decisions. I want to make that clear. But for people who aren't, people who are who are suffering, we have legislation and support systems that allow for a substitute decision maker to protect them uh, in circumstances where they can't make their own decisions. So if you're too unwell to make that decision, you're not going to qualify for medical aid and dying as the legislation is written. But if you are well enough to make those decisions... I don't mean to sound crass or insensitive, but you're already well enough to make a decision to to kill yourself on your own. And of course, all suicide is tragic, but I find it very odd that we've made this a, a medical procedure. The legal argument is that we're giving people a right to have a doctor kill them when in fact they already have a legal right to end their life by any other means they wish. So there's a, a kind of an absurd logic this. I, I, one of the thing I wonder about with this is, um, and we started this conversation by talking about a slippery slope and the one place that no one has talked about yet, but I, I absolutely believe that if this wall comes down, we will at some point be talking about children and people under 18 and whether they should be permitted. What about now you get into the area of down the road, children 
who are suffering from mental illness who then want to do something and have a doctor end their life. I mean, we're, we're getting into some unbelievably complicated and uh, very concerning areas. So in the Netherlands and Belgium, children are already getting assisted suicide. I don't know if you're aware of that. So yes, that's not a, a hypothetical you're talking about. That is currently happening. And there's also been a shift in the neonatal care units in those countries, the Benelux countries, where it is now standard practice if a child is born with a significant um, uh, birth defect of some sort, but it's non-fatal, they will actually administer a lethal drug to kill the baby. That's become a social norm. So what, what you're talking is already here. What you're talking about is already here in the world. And uh, really, we're talking about the normalization of suicide. If you're a person who thinks everyone should be free to kill themselves and suicide prevention and protecting vulnerable people is, is not a social goal, this won't matter to you. But if, uh, if you don't have those beliefs, this is one of the most shocking social changes being proposed and, and kind of slipped in under the radar through this legislation. A shocking social change to our, our social fabric, our moral values. Uh, we've had nothing like this before. Dr. John Mahar, President of the Ontario Association for Assertive Community Treatment and Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Ethics in Mental Health. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to talk a little Christmas uh, for a couple reasons. One, first of all, people are really ready, I get the sense, this year. It's been a, it's been a year. It's been a year. People are really ready for something fun and uplifting and not COVID. And two, today is November 24. One month today is Christmas Eve. By the time you wake up tomorrow morning, it will be one month until Christmas Day, until you are coming down the stairs, waiting to see what Santa left under the tree. Surely, at no matter what age, you can still do that. Unless you live in a bungalow, then coming from your room and walking across the hall to see what Santa left under the tree. Yeah, it's time to talk a little Christmas I've noticed on our street that all of a sudden in the last couple of days, all the Christmas lights are up. It looks like Christmas outside. We got a little bit of snow. It's all good. But who better to talk about Christmas with than a guy who has what, what I would suggest is probably the most fun Christmas store. When I need to have a chuckle, when I need to have a laugh, and it's around Christmas time, this is the place I go. This is the website I go to because it always has stuff there that cracks me up. Uh, his name is Tyler Schwartz. The store is called Retro Festive. It's retrofestive.ca. Uh, you can go there. Tons of hilarious Christmas stuff there. Tyler, how are you today? Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm uh, running Santa's little warehouse here. Well, I mean, do you get the sense that I do that with the year that we've had, people are just dying for Christmas just because it's such a, a break and something so far away from COVID? Well, I, it's more than just a sense. I mean, we're, we are seeing it every single day. Um, people, really since September, have been ordering like never before, um, you know, all the crazy Christmas stuff that we sell. Uh, it just it seems like people need something to look forward to, something to latch on to. And, uh, and, you know, what better than Christmas, really? And one of the things I've noticed, and, and believe me, I don't get out of the house all that often anymore now. I mean, it's just, we're all sort of living in the basement. But when I do get out, it seems as though people don't just want to go with Christmas this year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just seeing a few bad examples. 
but it seems like people are really, they want to let loose. And I've seen a lot more, I'll use the word ridiculous or silly or over the top or kitschy or whatever word you want to use. I've seen a lot more attempted humor with it because they just need a break. That's my, that's my, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of budding Clark Griswolds out there and uh, (laughs) you're right. I mean, people just, uh, they need some, some way to uh, spend their time and to focus their attention on. So whether it's, you know, decorating outside their house or the inside, um, you know, that that's what guys are up to nowadays. So if we're talking about ridiculous and, and look, your store, uh, I say it as a term of endearment, that there's a lot of ridiculous stuff on there. I hope it's not insulting. I hope it is a term of endearment. But <laughs> no, that's a compliment. That's That's what we're going for. What is, when it comes to decorations these days, what is the ridiculous that people are looking for? Well, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, what we focus on at Retro Festive is, is kind of the, the retro stuff, the throwbacks to yesteryear. Um, and so we do a lot of the, the bubble lights and the tinsel and the garland and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we do, it, we do a lot more than that. You know, the modern stuff, um, guys are, well, I shouldn't say guys. A lot of people are collecting like the Funko Pop figurines. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're huge. And we've got uh, Christmas ones in just about every genre from Harry Potter to um, superheroes, uh, you name it. And then from every Christmas movie, Home Alone, Clark Griswold. So, Is there a more, um, I'm trying to think pop culture wise, is there a more Christmas synonymous Christmas thing than a leg lamp? Yeah, you know it's funny that that's where that's how we started our our company selling leg lamps out of my business. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, we were we were the first people in Canada to sell a leg lamp. We even went on Dragon's Den. I think it was 2011 and uh, tried to sell a leg lamp to Kevin O'Leary. We never got the deal, but he actually bought one after the show, and he's got it in his uh, Muskoka cottage. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of guys are into leg lamps. Uh, the moose mugs from Christmas Vacation are also really popular. What, what is the, okay. So a lot of what you sell, and I want to go through a few of the things here that are popular, but we know that Christmas music is everywhere. Everybody who sings or is in a band or whatever has a Christmas album out now, some good, some not so good, but we also know that there is endless amount of Christmas movies and TV. Now things like Hallmark Christmas movies, I don't think there's anything merchandise wise yet, which I'm quite frankly shocked at that they don't have much. Don't don't speak so fast. We actually have, I mean. Not not about specific movies, but they they're coming out with Hallmark. I love watching Hallmark movie mugs, and I love watching Hallmark movie books. We've got a great book for any you know fans of the Hallmark Christmas movies. It's a great uh, compendium of all the best, I guess, if you if there is a best <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movie. So that you know, it's actually um, you know women in particular get a real kick out of that. I think I could, we've already talked about it on the show before, but I think you can whittle down the theme of every single Hallmark movie onto one page. It would be a very short book. Just change the name and change the name of the town. But God bless them. You know, they got a formula. It works. So go with it. Oh, it works. But okay. So besides Hallmark then, what do you find? What are the shows or the movies that do the best? What are the things that, I mean, you can tell by supplies and things that sell. What are the the movies that seem to have resonated with people the most? You know, in Canada, I would say without a doubt, no hesitation, Christmas vacation. Everybody's got a little either Clark Griswold or Cousin Eddie or Ellen Griswold in them. So that that is for sure a favorite right across the land. Um, the next one I would say is Elf, you know, the, from 2003 with Will Ferrell. 
that's a classic. I mean, I don't think there's another movie made that has, you know, more great catchphrases and lines, you know. And then, of course, the classic, you know, like White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life. I'm just looking on your website as we talk right now with the Christmas vacation stuff. And, um, I mean, I have no idea how many jelly of the month clubs <laughs> you, you sell, uh, or as you say, I'll, I'll, moose mugs. I, I just shipped, uh, 24 jelly of the month clubs out to Ottawa. Someone bought them for their, their staff Christmas gift this year. And so <laughs> I think it's kind of ironic that they're literally giving a jelly of the month club to, uh, to their staff this year but it's cool it's got 12 little jars of different flavored jellies so you get one every month and and one of the um the, the phrases that we really um we can't really say on the air but uh, one of the most f- m- m- memorable i suppose christmas movie phrases uh, I, i'm guessing you sell a few t-shirts with um with uh, oh. the line from the uh, the toilet facilities on the rv the poopers full <laughs> thank you yes thank you for not getting us kicked <laughs> off the air yeah, yeah, I'm no, guessing. I mean, yeah, I mean that's a classic. It it never gets old, really. Um, and you know what? The actually, you know what? The other thing they're selling really great this year is uh, is pandemic related stuff, um, especially our our ornaments. Like we've got those personalized ornaments with you know a family of four or five or three holding hands under the Christmas tree wearing face masks, and people are buying them up and really. Droves. I, I see. I would have thought that something like the pandemic thing, because hopefully, this hopefully I'm touching all the wood I can right now. Uh, this will be the only year that we live through this. Uh, that the, you know, sort of those one year wonders wouldn't be as big sellers as the things that are perpetual. Yeah, you know what? I think that's just it, though. I think um, people tend to buy um, you know ornaments, you know, for to for places they visited or or to remember certain events in their life. And I think that's what people are doing. They're, they're doing this, assuming that we're not going to be wearing face masks next year. And so they want to, you know, 10 years from now, looking back on 2020 and say, Oh, remember that Christmas when we all wore face masks. All right. Fair enough. Now so, you have to, or you have to order this stuff, right? I mean, you're one of the buyers or the buyer. I'm not sure for your store. Yeah, where, yeah, where do you yeah. even, how do you even find these things? Like, uh, do people just come out to you guys and say, Hey, look, we got these ridiculous things or are you poking around and, and you're going, I can't believe that's been made, but let's buy a few. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of both. I mean, people ask me because we're so Christmas focused at our store, people always say, well, what the heck do you do the rest of the year? And it's literally finding and, and buying and bringing in and stocking and listing it all on the website. And so it, it honestly starts in January. Most years, I guess it won't be this year, but we go to Atlanta um, to the biggest trade show on earth, really, um, in Atlanta on, on January 10th, and we start buying for next Christmas. So this year that'll all be done virtually, but you get the picture, you know, like we bring it in from China, we bring it in from the U.S. Some of it we make here in Canada. What What is the most ludicrous thing that you guys sell, do you think? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> there are a few, but... Put me on the spot here. Uh, the most... Ludicrous thing. I mean, we got a lot of poop, poop jokes. Like I've got, we, we sell farts in a can and, uh, of course you do. I, I always say to, to my, my wife, I said, Oh, you know, my poor dad, <laughs> he must be so embarrassed of a guy raised a guy that sells farts in a can for a living, but yeah, it's a, it's a living. Well, I just saw something the other day that said, you know, poop jokes aren't my favorite type of joke, but they're a solid number two. 
<laughs> Bubble. Uh, that's a good uh, one. We should put that on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, there, I mean, there are, there are, are, have you ever come across stuff though that you have looked at and said, no, that is even too ridiculous for me to stock? Hmm. Uh, no, I can't. I honestly can't say that I have. Uh, the, you know, my motto is the more ridiculous, the better, really. And and it's not just mine. I mean, I, I, I like ridiculous stuff because I know people will buy it up. And, and you know what? Walmart doesn't sell ridiculous stuff, right? Or Canadian Tire. Like, people come to guys like me for stuff that they can't find elsewhere. And so that's why I like to buy, you know, off-kilter stuff. In, um, in recent years, I've noticed a lot more, I don't even think they existed quite honestly more than about five years ago, but there is the, the move towards, you can buy now, you know, ridiculous over the top Christmas suits or Christmas dresses, but especially the suits that are, that look like wrapping paper or whatever. I mean, they're just, they're insane. I hadn't ever seen them till five or six years ago, but I'm wondering if anybody's buying that stuff this year because nobody's planning to go out anywhere. Um, the answer is no, because <laughs> I know because we've got boxes and boxes and boxes of it. And we've kind of just put it all in cold storage saying, well, maybe next year. Um, literally, you know, between the Christmas sweaters, I guess some people are still buying the sweaters, but really like the suits for Christmas parties and work events, like no one is buying a suit. In fact, they're on our website for half off. So if ever, anybody wants a deal, go there mm. now. The, the thing though that I have seemed to notice, and, and again, I don't really know, I, I never understand the algorithms on Facebook and other places because stuff pops up for advertising over and over and I've never clicked on it and I've never clicked on anything remotely similar to it. And yet I'm seeing a million ads for family matching Christmas pajamas this year, which I have mm. to believe is the opposite of the suits. Everybody's staying home. So let's do something with your family. Yeah. You're a smart guy. That is absolutely true. Um, you know, while the, the sales of the suits have plummeted, sales of the pajamas have gone sky high. So because, you know, every wife thinks it's a great idea to dress her kids and husband up <laughs> in a ridiculous onesie, you know. And so uh, we've got some great ones. If you're into that, we've got some really great ones, really good quality made in Canada. What is missing? I mean, when, when you, and I, like, when you look at this stuff, you must have at some point thought, you know, I can't believe nobody has made X hmm. yet. Is there something that's ever crossed your mind that I can't believe no one's ever done this? Oh, I'm sure there must have, but I, of course I can't think of it right now. Oh, well, I caught you cold, so. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of great ideas out there. Um, to be honest, you know, I, I think I told you that the moose mugs from Christmas vacation are, they're our bestseller perennially. And that was my idea. Um, no one was making them commercially about 10 years ago. And I was already selling leg lamps. So I partnered with my friend in the States who was producing the leg lamps. He had them made in China, but he was kind of had a relationship with Warner Brothers uh, to get the license. And so we started licensing and selling the moose mugs. And it's been huge. It's been absolutely huge. I think you're, are you not sold out of those right now? We are. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you wanted a moose mug, you're going to have to wait till next year. Because what well, happened is, you know, when we ordered this stuff, it's in, you know, February, March, April, and that was the height of the pandemic, right? And we're like, I don't know, the world's coming to an end. So I was like, I'm not going to bring in another container load. So what we've got is what we've got, you know, what we had left from last year. So unfortunately, they're sold out. Well, they are sold out for now. But as I say, it, it just seems to me as though there is so much pent up 
something that people just want to let loose and Christmas is the thing. I mean, it's, it's Christmas time and it's the one chance you have. And we don't really do here in Canada. We don't really do Thanksgiving. We don't really do, I mean, we do Halloween, I suppose. Uh, but Christmas is the time when you can really do this. And um, it, it looks like anyway, it looks like people are really, really letting loose and, and that's got to be good for you guys. Yeah, it, it's been, it's been really great. And I guess you can also see in our website that we've had a, uh, the last couple of days, we've had to shut our, our website, uh, the ordering off uh, at the end of the day because uh, we, we've got more orders than we can fill. So um, what we're doing is just kind of um, tampering the or tempering the demand. Um, and, you know, around six o'clock, we had to stop taking orders for today. And then we tell people to come back tomorrow. So, you know, it's too bad. Of course, I hate doing that. But um, we've got a, you know, we've got a small seasonal team and, uh, we can fill like 400 orders a day, but once we're past that, we just can't do anymore. So, well, the uh, the other one that I would suggest that everyone go take a look at, and I think there's only one that I can see on your website here, but oh, no, there's two. There's a second Christmas thing, is uh, is the Bob Ross Christmas things uh, or Bob Ross Christmas ornaments. If you don't know Bob Ross, well, then you don't know what you know. You're <laughs> you're missing out. You never subscribed yeah. to PBS, I get. I guess. Yeah, people uh, no, like it's... Bob Ross. We've got the Bob Ross Chia Pet. That's a, a great seller. <laughs> you can grow his hair. So it is. Uh, it is a very fun website, and it's a time of year when, as I say, people are looking for something that is fun and that takes their mind off all the other stuff. Um, it is called RetroFestive.ca. You can go look it up. Uh, we've been talking to Tyler Schwartz. Tyler, really appreciate you taking some time. Thanks for doing this today. Hey, no problem. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Yes, it is. Um, we, we're looking. I think desperately looking for things that are not COVID and Christmas gives us that opportunity. Now we can, whether, you know, again, whether it's retro festive or whether it's anywhere, we're, we're not, we're not, they're not a sponsor. We're not paid by them. I just, every Christmas I go on the website because it has got, there are so many ridiculous things. And again, I say that as a term of endearment, there are so many ridiculous things that just makes me laugh to think of some of the stuff that is for sale now related to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or Toy Story or A Christmas Story or what else do they have? Let me go to the other movies that um, uh, Home Alone, of course, It's a Wonderful Life, Nightmare Before Christmas, Die Hard, Grinch, Charlie Brown, Rudolph. Oh, even Seinfeld Festivus stuff you can get. So yes, there's, and you know, fantastic, fantastic. We all need something now to make us laugh as it comes to Christmas. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Time for Will's story of the day. Will is doing all the stuff that would allow us to remain a radio station rather than merely an antenna doing nothing. Uh, He is back at the home office and he is going to join me for a second. Will's story of the day goes like this. I'm going to give Will three unique stories from around the world. And then Will will throw them all into an emotional and intellectual blender and decide which one pops out the other end as his story of the day. Will, are we ready for this? I am ready as spaghetti, as the saying goes. Okay, we're going to start here in our homeland of Canada in northern Alberta, where as you drive along the highway just north of Jasper, you can see street signs, highway signs, those those temporary ones that pop up, the the display things, the neon, not neon, but like, you know, lane closed or whatever, those kind of signs that say, do not let moose lick your car. (laughs) Do they stick? See, that's what I thought at first. I thought if you, first of all, if you were not from the area, 
and you're just driving along, minding your own business. You got the podcast on because you may be out of radio range way up there or whatever else. And you're sort of half awake and you're driving along. You're probably blown by that sign going, wait a sec. What? What? Did it, did it just say what I think it said? Don't let moose lick your car. And then, yes, the second thing is I thought exactly what you just said. Why? Because their tongue will stick to the door like the little kid in Christmas, um, in a Christmas story. And then you're going to have a moose stuck to your car. No, apparently the salt that is used, um, to treat the roads, moose really like it. They love salt. And so they will come along and they will lick your car. But I got another question for this, this sign, this sign is on the side of a highway. How fast are the moose moving (laughs) that they could keep up with you and lick your car as you're going? That's a good question. What's the average land speed of a moose? I mean, I, I, I'm assuming you would have to have come to a complete stop, but why are you coming to a stop in the highway if there is a moose nearby? Uh, the, the whole thing is a very, very puzzling thing, but it is a real thing. And it's apparently caught the attention of CNN and everyone else around the world, because who knew that moose were going to lick your cars if you drove around in Northern Alberta. Uh, leaving Northern Alberta, we're going to India for a moment where this is a sad story. Thankfully, the guy seems like he's going to be okay. But yesterday on the show, we talked, if you recall in the, in Will's story of the day about the guy who was racing away from the police with a bunch of meth who crashed his motorcycle. And at the same time, the gun in his waistband went off shooting him while he was being hit by a car. That was, that was a bunch of stuff that he went through. A series of unfortunate events. Well, this guy from Britain is over in India working for a charity and he has been bitten by what could be a deadly snake. As I say, it looks like he's going to be okay, but he's been bitten by a deadly snake and is temporarily blind. They say his sight will come back, but this snake bite occurred as he was battling coronavirus just days, apparently after suffering through malaria and dengue fever. Oh my God. God, this guy has been through it. It's amazing that one person could manage to hit all of the high points of illness and horrible things in one short period of time like that. And I've had, I've not been bitten by a deadly snake and I've never had dengue fever and I've not had coronavirus. I have had malaria and that by itself is sufficiently awful, letting alone all the other things thrown in there as well. Number three, this one. This one is too weird. I I had to I had to look this one up, and this is from Canada as well, I believe, or is it England? Well, wherever it is, maybe it's England. Anyway, they have now created scientists. No, in the states, here it is. In the states, it looked like it was Canada. They have created grow your own steaks for people to eat because you know they want to be nice to the animals and everything else. But there's a twist on this. There's a very big twist on this, Will. The cells that are used to grow your own steaks are not coming from cows. They're coming from people. (laughs) They are growing in Petri dishes what is really human meat. So even though it's not cannibalism in the traditional sense that you would slice off someone's thigh meat or something and eat it, you are technically eating human meat that has been grown in a lab. Would you ever 
do that? Would you ever eat lab-grown human meat? That's just... <laughs> what? What is this? A terrible 80s horror movie? That's what it sounds like. That it's it's known as the war. I don't even know how you O U R O B O R O U S Warobor. I don't know. Oh, it's the named after. Oh, thank you. It's named after the Egyptian symbol of a snake eating its own tail. Caught in it's an endless hi- cycle. Yes, thank you. So it's I'm I'm when the day comes that I go to the grocery store and there are prepackaged lab grown human meat chunks. I'm reasonably sure I'm going to a different grocery store. Not doing that one. That is just, I love a good steak. I am not eating steak that came from Uncle Bart, even though it was grown in a lab somewhere. Will then your story of the day be the do not let, do not let moose lick your car from Alberta? Will it be the British guy who's been through coronavirus, snake bite, dengue fever, and malaria? Or will it be the homegrown, lab-grown human steaks that people can now eat? Oh, uh, man, I think uh, Charlton Heston said it best. Soylent Green is made out of people. <laughs> There's the answer. People, Soylent Green is people. <laughs> the Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.